0: Hello and welcome to the Ruler podcast. I'm Ian Parkinson. On this edition, I'm joined in the studio in London by Ruler editor Ian Cleverly, and from Sweden by Morten Ogbo, who, along with photographer Jakob Christian Sorensen, went to a marijuana convention in Las Vegas with Floyd Landis and Dave Zabriskie and wrote about it for this edition. What could possibly go wrong? Ian and uh, Morten in Sweden, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks much. I should say, Ian, first of all, that by my reckoning, this should be the podcast for issue 67 or 68. Ah. But it's not, uh,
2: because this uh, latest edition of Ruler, which we're talking about today, is 17.1. Yeah, What happened there? Confusing, isn't it? We managed to confuse ourselves with, with the, the, the numbering. Uh, well, we can never remember what's what. So um, as we do eight issues a year, we, we thought we'd start with the, prefix of the year and then it's point one, point two, point three throughout the year. Just so that we could get our heads straight. You'll get used to it eventually.
0: So next month will be seventeen point two and then in January next year it'll be eighteen point one. Exactly. Okay. You do realise that there are people I'm
1: you know, listening to this, yes well yeah that's yeah. hopefully yeah
0: there are people listening to this and there are people in this room it has to be said who've got editions of Ruler from one to 67 all lined up in order yeah and you've
2: just ruined the. i know I'm, I'm, their I'm, I'm gonna mess with their heads even further uh when you find out that it's actually going to be increased in size as well it's taller so the
0: magazine's going to... Be, some people have had shelving built specially for the old form. Yeah, you're going to, to
2: need it even... Uh, it's going to need to be adapted, I'm afraid. Okay, the great. There you go. All right, thanks for that. Sorry for dropping that bombshell so early on. So, uh, edition
0: 17.1. Apart from uh, Morton's article about Las Vegas and uh, Floyd Landis's uh, Gangapreneurialism, yeah. as I uh, understand yeah. it's being called. Um, what else is in the issue?
2: Andy McGrath has done a fabulous piece on the 2002 paris which was the last wet one, amazingly. Um, you know, you always associate Rebay with being this mudfest. And uh, for an incredible number of years, in fact... Uh, he went to last year's Roubaix and was was praying to high heavens that it didn't rain because it would ruin. He had been sitting on this idea for some time, and if it had rained, it would have just ruined the whole thing. It's a great
0: article, and it is that sort of weird relationship that fans and riders have with the race. And the fans, most of them, I imagine, hoping and praying it's going to be wet and muddy, and the riders presumably praying it's going to be dry and they're moderately safer.
2: Yeah, we say that, but even Matt Heyman, right at the end, says, I'd, I'd love it if it was wet. I mean, what kind of sadist says that? And this is the guy who won it, you know? We'll talk about
0: uh, that article a bit more later because one of the pictures in there is is my sort of favourite of the edition. And there's also um, a great article by Olivier Nielsen Julian about um, the sort of go to man for broken bones in Belgium.
2: I have to. Um, thanks to my predecessor Guy who talked about this for, for quite some time he said this, every time we get a press release from Quickstep or one of the Belgian teams you know, it's about a, a, a rider who's busted up and they're going to see, they're going to Erentals to get fixed up, why is this? and there's this, this one surgeon as we discovered, is now a family of surgeons so you've got the uh, the, the father Tone is pronounced, I, I discovered in the article it runs in bone, Tone Class and his two sons and they are the go-to guys. You know, if a, if, a, if a rider breaks a collarbone, whatever, straight to the hospital, straight away, sort them out. I love the bit with one of the sons where he says he was, he was sat at home on a Sunday watching Tour of Flanders and then sees a the guy crashed and then realises, OK, this one's on me. I'm on duty. And he just has to stop watching telly. You know, hopefully he's not had, got a couple of Belgian beers lined up and uh, straight to the hospital and, and sort him out
0: yeah presumably, there is good business for a a bone surgeon in
2: in Belgium, especially during the spring uh well, yeah, you'd think they'd be pretty busy yeah
0: At Morton uh, welcome to the uh podcast, your first time on the uh, ruler podcast. How did you end up going to Las Vegas for a marijuana convention with floyd Landis
1: I think initially uh Ian just sent me a photo uh of Floyd surrounded by weed (laughs) and uh, with a question mark and uh, I I called Jacob and said well yeah okay well we felt like the story had already been written I mean the story of him going into the the weed business but uh, as Jake and I always uh, discuss before we take on something it's like well can we get him drunk (laughs) (laughs) and uh, we were pretty sure that Floyd was up to uh, to that. So, uh, so we said, okay, sure. I mean, I uh, had no particularly in- interest in Floyd Landis, uh, but uh, I Googled him and uh, he was on uh, Instagram, I think. And I, I added him as a friend or whatever it is you do on Instagram. And I think 32 seconds later, he responded and, and he said, all right, you can come and uh which is in in fact is quite funny because I'm not going to name any names but uh he he then later sent me an email from a very respectable english newspaper uh, their sports editor he wrote him and said he's been trying for ages to get hold of uh floyd <laughs> but i can just tell you that's a lot of crap because you can i took i mean it took me 32 seconds to get him so that says a little bit about how lazy journalists can be. He said, all right, you can come, and I'm in Leadville. And we said, well, we've just been to Leadville because when we went to see Lawrence, uh, we passed through Leadville. Where is Leadville? Well, Leadville is, uh, I think, three kilometers up in the air, somewhere in Rocky Mountains. And uh, Jacob, he just loved it because he had uh, done some research about Leadville. It was part of the gold rush uh, when they when they sort of built the, the town. And the, the first two sheriffs, they were both killed in a gunfight. And Jacob, he's a big fan of handguns. So we had to go through Leadville and it was like a ghost town. And it's like, who, who lives here? We could just, who lives here three kilometers up in the air?
2: Well, I think the population is 2000 and something. I, I looked nobody, it up there's earlier. There's nobody yeah. there.
1: And then we went uh, on to Aspen. And as you know, Aspen is like the third richest town in America. So it's all Gucci and uh, Prada and Hugo Boss and all that. And it's not far away from Leadville. So when he said Leadville, we knew exactly where to go. But then we got an, an email uh, a couple of days later that he, he was going, or he wanted to go to uh, this uh, weed convention in, in Vegas. And I texted Ian. Uh, and uh, he was like yeah yeah that's perfect
0: <laughs> without wishing to sound like mrs merton what was it about uh, floyd landis at a marijuana convention in las vegas that appealed to you uh
2: and zabriskie and these two guys uh, i know i mean there's the, there's you know the answer to that don't you? Yeah. yeah so uh, so you didn't get to go to leadville uh this time
1: no we went we went we flew to uh, los angeles and then we took the car into the desert uh we got this i don't know if ian if you know this uh, but we can talk about this later we got we upgraded our car to the fastest road car, <laughs> car in america what
2: what is the fastest road car in america
1: it's a camaro 6.0 uh, liters uh SS. it goes uh actually you know it goes uh, it goes 200 miles an hour
2: that's that's great to hear thank you thank you for sharing
1: You'll, you'll, get the, you'll get the receipt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Presumably you can't go from LA to Las Vegas in a, in a regular rental car, can you?
1: Jacob, he said that uh, he read something about Hunter S. Thompson. Like he said, when you pop pills in Los Angeles, you're stoned the time you get out of Los Angeles. But that's actually not true. You can, you can actually go all the way to Las Vegas before the drugs start to... Before the
0: drugs start to take hold. I think that's the uh, Hunter Thompson phrase, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yes, yes, that's. I can, now, I can now say that.
0: Just remind us, what is um, Floyd's... You know, so yeah, Lance is still hanging around in um, Aspen and Austin, um, but Floyd is living in this one-horse town in the Rockies and setting up with Dave Zabriskie a weed business.
1: They um, extract stuff from the plants. And uh, this is, I mean, this is nothing they come, came up with. It's been going on for ages. And uh, a lot of people in America use uh, recreational drugs and just, you know, and just pot like the rest of us. His, his friend, like when I write about it in the story, his friend uh, Scott uh, Thompson, he, he's an old buddy. And he, Scott, he used to uh, run BMC in North America. And Scott has been, he's a wild character.
0: This is the guy called Wolfman in the story for part of the story,
1: yeah. He's Wolfman, yeah. He's a he's a st- uh, fantasticly strange and wonderful person who just was there. We didn't know he was there. So when when we met Floyd for the uh, in the casino, he was just there and he ordered whiskey immediately. So it's like, "Oh, all right, we'll we're safe." And but the uh, but Scott knows a lot about wheat and the wheat business, and he's been trying for ages to get Floyd into it. And this wheat business is legal. Yeah, yeah, it's legal. Uh, the thing is, if you, you can't travel between states because that's trafficking. So, they are, you know, the, the states that have uh, legalized it are sort of, I mean, as I understand it, they're sort of stuck in each state. And there's quite a, quite a lot of states have legalized it now, isn't it? It's seventeen states now that has has legalized it. But you can't so Floyd's idea is to have Floyds of Leadville and you know, possibly Floats of New York and Floyds of blah blah blah, all the states, however big the business will be.
0: So franchising his weed business across the States.
1: Yeah. That, I think that's the That's their idea. So
0: there was a weed convention in Las Vegas. Um, You turned up, Dave Zabriskie turned up, Floyd Landis turned up. Um, Did you actually make it to the convention?
1: We went near it. (laughs) 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 Yeah, yeah, we tried for a couple of days to go to the, I mean, it's just around the corner, but (laughs) it was so difficult for us to get our asses out of the chairs and just actually go across the street. And every time we tried there was always some obstacle that I mean. Then we met Elvis, and I mean, you got that you got to do that. And then there was a shooting range, and you know, we tried to. But then we, yeah, I, to be quite honest, I don't remember everything that happened when we were there. They tried to go to the convention, but there was a. I I, I, I think it's in the article. They were go. They were going to go there, but then then, then there was a whole line of people there. That they sort of look, uh, they thought looked annoying, so they went into a bar and started drinking, and that was it. So they, I don't think they ever went there.
2: What's your um, your gut feeling about how the, that business is going to go? Floyd—he's a
1: smart guy. Uh, when you know, uh, the last articles we've done for Rouleur has been of these, I mean, former Tour de France winners, and you know, it's Ulrich and Lance, and now Floyd. And I'd say. Uh, that Floyd is, he, I mean, he's. Uh, I, now I can see why he won uh, the Tour de France because he, 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 he reminds me of Lance in the same way that when nobody knows who's, you know, who's, who's going to win, the, what's going to happen on the road and who's going to take charge, he's like, fuck these guys, let's get it on. And he's got that same aggressive mentality. I totally see why he would beat a guy like Andres Clerden, who is like a sorry excuse for himself often. And Floyd is just like, I can take these guys, and I'm going to take them now. And that's how you win. So he's a winner. Uh, but he's very, also very laid back, and he's not aggressive. Like if I should compare Lance and him, he, uh, Lance is a, he's a whole different character, but they get the same winner mentality. And that's why I think that this business will work for them because Floyd is uh, yeah, he's pretty smart. I've been having a lot of contact with him ever since. I mean, I think we talk on, the, on um, not the phone, but like a messenger. We talk about for about an hour every day, in fact. And uh, yeah, he's smart. It
0: comes across a little bit in your article that he's still actually quite angry about what happened to him and, uh, and, and the way he was treated after he was caught cheating.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, I think I I write it also, and he said the same as uh, Ulrich said, and as Lance that uh, it's of it's kind of it seems to be random who who uh, the cycling community pick out as being uh, the the bad guys, and where when you're on that if you're on that uh, stick. Uh, I mean of course you got to, you feel like the whole world is coming against you i mean i I, I would probably argue that that Bradley Wiggins has kind of the same f- feeling now, and uh, that everybody 's sort of focusing on on Team Sky. i mean i can't i mean it 's not a healthy living
0: Landis has some uh, pretty strong words about Wiggins as well he 's not a fan of Wiggins is he
1: no it's uh well, I remember that interview that, that uh, Bradley did when he was uh going after floyd and uh, as floyd says you know it's you know it's not my fault that bradley ra- races faster than the others. i mean if you go faster than the others then you're immediately under suspicion but wiggins or team sky has never been under suspicion and there's never been anything for anybody to prove and uh, their argument has always been well we go for marginal gains and that's why we go faster than, than anybody else And then this comes out with, I mean, I don't follow this because I don't give a shit about doping, okay? I'll just put that on record. But, I mean, I'm curious. Uh, And the way it looks now, I mean, maybe not even Chris Froome believes in in Brailsford's ideas. Or there seems seems to be some kind of conflict there also. So now they're on a, a lot of pressure. And if you know anything about the history of the sport, then you know, well, the dominant team looks, always falls on their asses, eventually. Uh, we've seen it with Mapai, we saw it with US Postal, Saxobank, Bank, uh, and uh, it looks like every, every, every journalist in the world has their guns on Team Sky now. But nobody, can, but nobody can prove anything, right? And
0: if you set yourself up as better and cleaner than the rest, then um, any fall is inevitably going to be much, uh, much harder.
1: Yeah, because they look like a bunch of idiots. I mean, you can't argue with that. I mean, if, when you look at the, the postal team and when, they, when, when, they came, when, that, when that came down, it just, I mean, there's a whole group of idiots there. I mean, as a writer, you understand you do what you have to do to win. I mean, everybody who's a winner will agree with that or understand it. And, but when you look at, when I, at least from, from my point of view, when you look at it from the outside, I mean, it's just a group of idiots to me. But I understand why they're doing
0: it. Uh, The article is um, uh, titled "Las Vegas Redacted," uh, and that's because uh, when you read it, there are some bits that are crossed out
2: and blanked out. How did those conversations go? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was quite quite complicated. Morton's line is just, "Yeah, just publish everything; it'll be fine." Of course. The lawyer said otherwise. Yeah. And I came down somewhere in the middle. And uh... I think we called each other idiots at one point, didn't we, Ian? I think we did. I think we did. Yeah.
1: And probably, probably rightly so. Yeah.
0: Do you think there'll be a time when the article can be published again without the exits? That's a good question.
1: Well, that's what, I, that's what Floyd and I are discussing because, I mean, it'll be, it could be so funny if Floyd... I don't think I can answer that question. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to play the fifth. <laughs> no comment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. what's next for you then Morten because you said you, you've done interviews with Ulrich you've done interviews with Armstrong and now with, with Landis what's your ambition for 2017 in terms of who you're going to speak to and what you're going to write about
1: I have no idea I uh, I just follow my instincts you know I, I, I don't write that much for Um uh, and uh, the reason is that I don't like to put myself uh, out there too much Uh, Because sometimes uh, you can overkill it, and I like to keep it fresh. And I hopefully, you know, uh, you know, you 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 write for people who buy the magazine, and uh, if if you're there every time, they get tired of you. I mean, I have a, I think I Jagam and I has, we have a pretty distinct style that pisses a lot of people off, but we also get fan mail. Uh, But I think it's eighty, it's twenty, and not in our favor. So you have to be a little careful. I'm currently working on on a book project in, but that's in Danish. So, so uh, I don't know if Cleverly has anything that's interesting. I'll look at it.
2: You never know. But if there's any constellation, Morton, I don't get any fan mail. So you know. You don't. No, no. So you you take that. Take that twenty.
1: All right. I'll take that twenty.
2: <laughs> I'm not sure if you've read
0: it. There's a nice piece um, in this edition by Robert Miller um, about who who's talking about Floyd's. Uh, adventures into um, dope dealing and uh, I think he's pleased that um, Floyd has gone into something that's not uh, you know boring and ordinary that uh, something a little bit out of the ordinary as well
1: well most athletes are boring Uh, I mean I think it just comes with the gig I mean you, you you've done this since you were eight years old and you live in that little bubble and I mean, if I should uh, uh, name anyone who's pretty, uh, off character here, it's probably um, our own uh, Chris Huel, who's yeah. a buddy of mine. And he's like, uh, you know, he reads, when he went to the tour last, uh, last year, he, he wrote me and said, Morten, you know, I need some books for the trip. And so I gave him a list of what I thought he should read uh, while he was in in France. And I think that was, wasn't, wasn't it Miguel Indurain who t- he took him. F- three or four tours to finish one book. <laughs> so, so, I mean, so Chris is a, pre- he's, he's a very interesting character and very, he's not the, rec- I mean the, the typical writer. Uh, the mo- Most of the writers I've, I've met, I'm sorry to say, but they are pretty ordinary and pretty boring. They're very nice, which is confusing to me. They're very nice and polite, and I can never understand it because if you're an athlete, you want to win. And if, you, if you're a winner, you, somehow you have to, I mean, in my head, you got to be a son of a bitch and that's ultimately why I think Lance was so successful.
2: But to, to, to turn it on its head, it always amazes me when you meet pro cyclists who actually aren't boring and, you know, can only think about riding their bikes and sleeping and eating. Um, so to, to, to those, those guys like Christian Jensen are
1: are quite amazing really when you meet somebody that actually has got something else to them yeah he's got so much energy in other aspects of life i mean he's not you know you always hear these stories about you know you gotta rest and you can't walk with your girlfriend on the streets shop go shopping because i gotta rest my legs and all that and that you know that's pretty boring if you're the girlfriend but that's i mean that's the history of the sport you hear all you've heard all these stories and who was it they they had to carry him up if he he didn't have a room on the first um, i mean uh, yeah, you know, on the first floor, the the Gargarious had to carry him up. Was it Bernardino or something? Because he had to rest his legs. All that, all that crap that we love, but it's, I mean, it's 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 just bullshit. I mean, I like Robert Miller says, it's good that he's that he that he's ventures into something that's a bit odd, and uh, but it goes with his character. So I I wish him luck. I wish him a lot of luck.
0: Okay, Morton. Thanks for uh, before you go. Do you have a uh, favorite picture? from uh this edition
1: yeah i got one of uh, jake's uh of the slot machines mm-hmm. because Ooh, yes. it's 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 out of focus and that's mm-hmm. it, but it's taking i mean i think he took it <laughs> <laughs> trying trying to <laughs> but that's i mean that's how we saw las vegas so that's my favorite
2: it's a reflection of the trip absolutely how about you in page 106 is one of michael bland's of um of the surgery. So they scrubbed up and actually went into surgery. And I'm, I must point out at this point, I did leave out the really gory photos because there were some seriously, mm. uh, you know, open shoulders and uh, all sorts of um, stuff. So it's not, it's not, not too bad, but I'd, we've got a couple of uh, in there that are a little bit... <laughs> uh, but it's a case, looks like a kind of small tool case lying open and it's full of titanium collarbone plates in this beautifully anodized blue um, that Olivier describes as looking like dropout hangers made by Chris King. And that's, that's from a distance, you'd kind of, your eye as a cyclist, your eye would be drawn towards them because you think, oh, anodized little bits, lovely. And uh, in fact, they actually go inside cyclists uh, collarbones yeah.
0: mostly yes you can imagine um, uh, cyclists sort of fetishizing over particularly finely made collarbone inserts can't you um so my, yeah, my favorite picture is on page 50 of Gabriele balducci uh in paris-roubaix 2002 which i think has just got everything a classic roubaix picture needs it's got mud it's got the cobbles it's got the fans it's got motos stuck at the side of the road and uh Gabriele balducci has that sort of thousands yard stare that riders always seem to have on, uh, on Paris-Roubaix, face covered in mud and just sort of glaring up the road. Oh, well, that's, that's pretty much it for this edition, apart, of course, from the ruler competition. Uh, last time we asked for the name of Stephen Roach's brother. Can you remember Stephen Roach's uh, brother, Morton?
1: I didn't know he had a brother.
0: He had a brother who also rode for Carrera at the same time that Stephen was there. Uh, and the prize was a Marshall Capel print. Um, Ian, do you have the winner of that competition? Uh, the
2: winner of that one was Tim Burt, and he plumped for the Ventoux print. I don't know if you know the one, but it's, like, really moody. Um, so there you go. You can see where he's coming from. Um, what's the competition for this edition? Uh competition for this edition is... From the 2006 Paris-Roubaix, Tom Bonan was promoted to second behind Cancellara, having initially finished behind another three riders. Why were those three riders disqualified?
0: So, the 2006 uh, Paris-Roubaix, why were the riders in
2: second, third and fourth disqualified? And what's the prize? Uh, the prize I haven't worked it out yet, okay. but it'll probably be another Marshall Capital print. But the way to enter the competition is to go onto our website ruler.cc, find the podcast page on there, and uh, details of how to enter the competition will be there.
1: Hey, I have a question. Yes, of course. Can we do a Floyd mug? A Floyd mug? Yeah, because uh, <clears throat> he told me to. Uh, he told me to smash the one of uh, Wiggins that I have at home, so I did that. So now I don't have a mug.
2: Okay, I'll, I'll get I'll get rich onto it. Uh... Morton straight away, straight away, Do you
1: think there'll be much demand for
2: a Floyd mug?
1: <laughs> well, I, no.
2: <laughs> Since when did that ever matter? Yeah, but he'll, he'll so. have
1: will have a mug of his own where he can put all the Tour de France, uh, the trophy, all the pieces when he crashed and when, when he threw it against the wall. He put all the pieces in his own in his own mug. <laughs> I'd like that.
0: Okay, we'll see what we can do. Maybe a, a one-off Floyd mug just for oh. you. A huge one. Yeah, that's <laughs> a really big one. So you can fit yeah. bits of the Tour de France trophy inside it. <laughs> okay, well, that's it from uh, from this edition. Thanks to Ian Cleverly. Thank you, uh, Mort Nokbo, for joining us from Sweden. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. And see you for podcast 17.2.